what a blessing. Taylor just found out yesterday she was singing because Ginny wasn't able to make it and how the Lord orchestrates it because you know when God says no, and we're going to hear about a man today that God said no because there's a greater yes. And it's unbelievable how this song goes with the message. Shall we just look to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving among us. It's vibrant in our hearts and our lives. We thank you that you work things together in our lives for the good. And nothing happens out by chance or by surprise or by accident. You bring everything to bear at just the right time, Lord. And we're so thankful. And as we sit at your feet to learn from your word, Lord, please give us hungry hearts, hearts of obedience and faith, and just help us to profit by the message today. And we pray that you will hide me behind the cross, that you will be glorified, Lord Jesus, and honored. And it will go forth here transformed and changed to be more like you until you come. We just thank you and praise you in your precious name. Amen. You know, it shouldn't surprise us that we live in a society where people are very independent. Because from their youth, they're told, you've got to do it on your own. You've got to make it on your own. You've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You've got to live independently. And that's totally wrong. God never intended his creatures to live independently of him. He put Adam and Eve in the Garden of, Gethsem in Garden of Eden. And he loved them. And he cared for them. And he provided all these things for them. And then the serpent comes along and, and starts interfering. And sin comes into the world. And it shows that ever since man has tried to live his life or her life independent of God. Back in the 60s, they had an expression that was so terrible, but it said, God is dead. Not true. God is very much alive. And he's alive in our lives. And he wants to be involved in our lives in the little things as well as the bigger things. And we should want God to be involved in our lives because he's a God of grace and he accepted me and he accepted you just as you came as sinners to come to the cross and say, Lord, I don't deserve to be saved. I'm a sinner, but please accept me. Please forgive my sins. And he never turns away even one sinner, even one person. He calls us to himself in grace and we can be very thankful for that, that we're born again according to the grace of God not because of what we have done or what we are or who we are. God looks at us and says, I love you, I forgive you, I wipe the slate clean, and you're starting fresh with me. And that's God's pure grace. Today the topic is God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Now I don't know what you're going through in your life today, and you don't all know what I'm going through in my life today. But we can know this, God does. And his grace is so great and it's so sufficient for whatever we're going through. Whether it's a huge mountain ahead of us, his grace is sufficient. Whatever it is, whether it's an illness, a loss of a job, a sorrow, a grief, whatever it is in our hearts, God knows about it. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And when God gives us his grace, he doesn't have anything less left than he started with. His grace never runs out. It's like a huge reservoir. And it's there for us 24-7 every day of our lives. 
I like what the Apostle Paul said. Now, here was a mature, spiritually-minded, godly man who had experienced salvation. He had won souls to Christ. But he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Three times in verse 10 that I just read, he uses the word grace. Because Paul had been humbled by God, because he'd been called and chosen and used of God, he was humble. He says, I'm the least of all saints. He said at another passage, he says, I'm not worthy to even, here he says, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And that's what God's grace does. It humbles us and yet then it lifts us up. It exalts us. It strengthens us in our lives. His grace is sufficient. The hymn writer said, Oh, to grace how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Yet your goodness, like a fetter, binds my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Yes, God's grace is immense. It's tremendous. It was the same grace that chose Abraham. It chose Noah. It chose Paul. It chose all of us to be Christians. And now he gives us his superabundant grace to carry on and do whatever he wants us to do. Years ago, I heard the expression, and it's every bit as true today as it was then, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And if God says, Wayne, I want you to do something, he's going to give Wayne every resource and everything he needs to do it, and he's going to be with him and help him to do it. And that's what God's grace is all about. If we were to withdraw ourselves for God's grace, we would shrivel up and die as Christians. We could not handle one moment outside of God's grace. We need it every day of our lives. Turn with me, if you would, and you can look on the screen too, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 10. These are four of the most incredible, awesome verses from the life of the Apostle Paul and what he experienced with the Lord. In fact, the whole 12th chapter is a great blessing indeed. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I'm, it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. May God bless the reading of his word. We're going to look today about three things that start with R. Number one, 
the request that Paul made. Number two, the response that God gave him. And number four, the result in Paul's life that changed him in such a way is he was never the same again. You know, Paul experienced one of the greatest mountaintop experiences you could ever experience in his life. He was taken from this earth into paradise, into the third heaven. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He heard him face to face. He talked to him. He saw all the beauty and all the splendor and all the glory of heaven. And the Lord said, Paul, that's the good news. And, the Lord said, and Paul said, well, what could ever be the bad news? You, got, you have to go back. You have to go back. I don't know how many of you read that book, 90 Minutes in Heaven, but that was the thing that that man said was the hardest thing for him, is he was 90 minutes in heaven in the Lord's presence, and then he had to go back. Can you imagine being in this sinless place of glory and then coming back to this sinful world and having to live here again? It's so hard, but that's what Paul did And he spoke of this story as happening 14 years ago, he said. And it was so fresh in his mind, it had impacted his life so much that it happened just like yesterday. And he was so blessed by that experience. But he said the Lord had to humble him. Because can you imagine going to heaven and hearing all these wonderful things and seeing all these great things and then coming back? And then he said, oh, and there's some more bad news for you, Paul. Sorry about that. Not only are you going to have to go back, but you can't tell anybody what you saw and heard. You have to just seal that book up in your life and just let it go. So not only did he have to come back, but he had to keep silent about it. That was very, very difficult to do. Can you imagine if that was one of us in our modern society today and God took us up to heaven and we were up there and, and then we came back? First thing we'd want to do, first thing I want to do, let's, let's write a book. So we write a book about all our experiences that we went to heaven. Next thing you know, we find out we want to do a full feature film on it. So we sign a book deal, and then we sign a movie deal, and we find out who's the greatest actor going right now, and greatest people, and we put them in there, and we think, great, this... No, that's not what happens. Paul, in fact, was so humbled by this that he speaks of the reason that this thorn in the flesh was given to him was to humble him, to keep him humble. Because as we know, God cannot do anything in our lives if we're proud. He has to work on our pride. And some of us are slow learners. Sylvia was giving an excellent message the other day on breaking. That is not one of your most popular topics in Christianity today either, that God wants to break us. He wants to humble us. And he knows how to do it. You know, if we say, Lord, be easy on me, please be easy on me. But he knows exactly what to do. He knows what Brittany needs to break. He needs, knows what Amber needs to break. He knows what Walter needs to break. He knows us. And so he works in our lives, and he wants to do that. And according to verse 7, Paul said, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. You know, pride comes naturally, and it has to be driven out. And that's what has to happen in Paul's life, and it has to happen in our lives as well. And the Lord allowed Satan to bring a thorn in his flesh that came to stay. It didn't just come to be there for a short time. It came to stay. A permanent reminder to Paul to be humble. 
Now, a lot of people question, what was this physical affliction he had? What was this thorn in his flesh? Some people speculate it was his eyes, and I think that's probably, probably true, but we don't know for sure. It could have had something to do with his feet. It could have had something to do with, with his legs. We don't know what it was. It could have been his tongue, his speech. We don't know. And you know why the Lord didn't tell us? Because he wants us to be able to relate to Paul. If Paul had a specific thing, then we'd say, well, that's not my problem. I don't have a problem with my eyes, or I don't have a problem with my tongue, or I don't have a problem with my feet, or whatever it is. But because he left it open-ended open like that, all of us can relate to it. And think of it. Think of the believers down through the years that have been so blessed by this story, and they can say that God has proven his sufficiency to handle whatever thorn, whatever cross, and whatever burden we have in our lives. Think of this as a rose. You know, God gave Paul this beautiful rose, and he said, here, Paul, is this beautiful rose. Its fragrance is beautiful. Its feel is beautiful. Its looks are beautiful. But be careful, it has a thorn. Every rose, as beautiful as it is, has a thorn. And when you have that, you can be pricked by it. And that's why the Lord left him this analogy, this thorn in the flesh, to remind him, Paul, be humble. Think of others. Be concerned for others. And it affected his life and ministry in such a powerful, powerful way. Someone said, thorns are sent here to us on a permanent visa. They're sent on a permanent visa. You know, a lot of times trials come and they're hurtful and they, they're difficult to go through. But sometimes they're here to stay. And we may have a condition that lasts for the rest of our lives. That's when God says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, they're not always pleasant, but they can be a blessing if we allow them to be. You know, there's a professor named Bruce Waltke who describes a Christian's response to pain in this way. He said, one day we rescued a wren, which is a type of bird from the claws of our cat. Though its wing was broken, the frightened bird just struggled to escape my loving hand. Contrast that to my daughter's recent trip to the doctor. Her strep throat meant a shot was necessary. Frightened, she cried, no, daddy, no, daddy, no, daddy. But all the while, she gripped me tightly around the neck. Pain ought to make us like a little child, not like a wounded bird. And it's so true. God loves us so much. He wants us to cling to him in our pain. He wants us to draw near to him and draw upon his strength when we go through difficult times. Not try to make it on our own, not to get through it, not to struggle through it, but to allow God to have his way in our pain. He knew, Paul knew, that God was strong enough to handle it. Paul knew that God answers prayers. Paul knew that when he prayed, God answered, but he also prayed in this passage three times that this thorn in the flesh would go away. And three times God answered him, my grace is sufficient for you. It's a wonderful thing. You know, it reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ who prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Three times the Lord Jesus Christ prayed that prayer, but the answer did not come from heaven because there was no way 
for us to be saved, but through Jesus going to the cross. And he was willing to go to that cross and lay down his life for us. He prayed three times, but he knew in his heart of hearts there was no way but the cross of Calvary. And so many times in our lives today, we wish God sometimes would just remove it, whatever it is. And instead, he gives us his grace. And he says, you can handle it. Not in your own strength, but in my strength. That's why this great apostle Paul said in Philippians 4.13, that most famous and beautiful verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew he couldn't do it in himself, but he knew through Christ he could. And so he prayed. And in Matthew 26.39, it says, as I said, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 45, he says, so he left them and prayed the third time, saying the same words. If that was Jesus' situation, and this was Paul's situation, there are times when God answers us with a no. But he has a greater purpose for it. He has a greater plan for it. He knows what he's doing in our lives, and he's going to work out his will. So that's Paul's request. Lord, take it away. And I'm the first one to raise my hand that when the pain strikes, when the difficulty comes, when the thorn is there, the first thing I say is, Lord, take it away. And there's really nothing wrong with that, because as long as we say, Lord, if it's your will to take it away, take it away, Lord. If it's your will to deliver me from this, Deliver me, Lord. If it's your will to provide for me, provide for me. But we also should be willing your will to be done. And if God's will is to leave it, then he has a reason for it. He's going to give us the grace to handle it. And that's the most amazing part of it. We see God's response as we see in verse 9. Because he said in verse 8, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace. You can do it. You can get through it with my grace. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What a blessing to know God's strength. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. The word sufficient in the Greek is the Greek word akeo, which means to assist or suffice. And it comes from another Greek word, argeo, which means to help or aid. When God gives the grace, he knows what we need at the time. And he pours it out to us in abundance so we can handle the situation. This happened to me this week. It was amazing. You know that I, many of you knew I had an interview to go to on Tuesday. Well, I'm sitting up here at choir, my seat there in the last row up there. And I'm sitting at choir, singing the songs, enjoying them and everything. And all of a sudden, I start feeling sick. Something is coming on me. And I said, Lord, I've got to go to that interview tomorrow. I can't be getting sick. And then after the meeting, I did some things, had some dinner. And then I went into the prayer meeting. I was feeling really bad. I wanted to lay my head right on that table. I just did not feel good. So I talked to Sylvia the night before. I said, oh, I am so sick. I took my temperature. I had a fever. I was really, really sick. And she said, you know you got to go to that interview. I said, I sure do. i got to go to that interview. Pray for me. So she prayed for me, and I prayed. And I got up the next morning thinking, Lord, please help me to feel better when I wake up. I didn't feel that good in the morning either. I still felt bad, really bad. But I got up. 
And I pushed myself, and I said, Lord, give me the grace, give me the help. So I went to the interview, and I was there from 10 o'clock in the morning. Actually, I got there well before 10, but I was there all the way from 10 till 12 o'clock, talked to five different people, and I can honestly really say, if I ask any of the five, was Dean sick? Oh, no, he was fine. Because God had showered me with his grace so much, the only way you could tell is when I looked in the mirror, you could see it in my eyes. But other than that, speaking, talking, thinking, the Lord helped me, and his grace was sufficient for me. And I was so blessed, and I was thinking about that. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace matches every outfit. It goes with every color. It fits in any decor. It matches with any style. God's grace is what we desperately need every day to handle our cir circumstances and situations. I like what Bill McDonald he sa said. He said, notice God says, my grace is sufficient for you. We don't have to ask him to make his grace sufficient. It already is. Even before we know what's going to hit us on Monday morning, or Monday afternoon, or Monday night, or whatever it is, or this week sometime, or this month, or this year, even before it hits, he's already prepared a wonderful gift for us to go with it, his special grace. He says, I know Cindy's going to go through something hard, but I'm going to give her my grace. So given a choice, would I rather have deliverance, or would I rather have God's grace, really bottom line for the child of God, that grace is better. That grace is better. That's the greater yes, as Taylor was singing. That's the greater yes, because if he says no, he gives us his grace to fill our soul and to encourage our lives. Sometimes on Wednesday nights, we sing that beautiful song, He is able and more than able. And the words say, He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what he wants me to be. He can make you, he can make me to what he wants us to be by his grace. He can build us up by his grace. You know, the story in the Old Testament is so beautiful, and it's mentioned so many times, the story of the Israelites and how they were taken and delivered by God through Moses out of Egypt and out of Pharaoh's plans and his control and his schemes. And one of the ways that he did it was it says he took them through on eagle's wings. And I'd like to read for you Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4 because this is a reminder to the Israelites and it can be a reminder to us as well. It says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Can you imagine, when we go through hurtful circumstances, God puts us on his wings, on eagle's wings, and we fly above that circumstance, above that situation. I oftentimes think of that beautiful poem, Footprints. I read it so many years ago now, and I, I have it on my desk, and it's a great, great poem. Because the man went through some hurtful experiences in life, but he finally finished and he went into the presence of the Lord. And, and then the Lord showed him all the things that happened in his life. And he looked back on some of the hurtful things in his life. And he said, Lord, this particular time right here was really hurtful and painful in my life, what I was going through. 
and I only saw one set of footprints at that time. So, Lord, that means somehow you left me during that time, at my time of greatest need and agony, you left me, and there's only one set of footprints, all the other times there's two? He said, that, my child, is when I carried you. And sometimes we're so weak, we're so tired, we're so discouraged, we're so down that he has to carry us on his eagle's wings over these hard, difficult circumstances in life. God's grace is sufficient for everything in my life and in your life. Bill McDonald said, in effect, God said to Paul, I will not remove the thorn, but I will do something better. I will give you grace to bear it. And just remember, Paul, that although I have not given you what you ask for, yet I'm giving you what you need most deeply. You want power in your preaching, don't you? Well, the best way to have that happen is for you to be kept in a place of weakness. In a place of weakness. I was thinking about that yesterday and last night I was thinking, that means, Lord, that I'm going to be in a place of weakness. In a place of weakness. Now, we don't like to be weak, do we? We don't like to be weak. Like when you get sick and you get fever, after you get over it, you're still weak. The amazing part of it is that weakness can last a little while, but then it goes away and you feel better. But in our spiritual lives, in order to be strong in Christ, we have to be weak in ourselves. When we come to him in weakness, he will fill us with his strength. He will fill us with his power. And that's exactly what he did with Paul. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. God doesn't say my strength is made perfect in all the vast recesses of the universe and all the great stars and, and planets and all the wonderful things I have made. My power isn't perfected there. It's there. His power and strength is there. But it's perfected in man's weakness. That's the amazing thing to me. Of all the planets that he could have chosen, he chose planet Earth, this little tiny globe, this little tiny planet. And on this planet... He chose people like you and me, sinners like you and me, to save us and to give us a new life and to take us to heaven. And a lot of times people debate, is there life in other plan on other planets and other places in the universe? I, pro I say no, because God loved man and he put him here on this little planet Earth and he loves us and he's going to spend eternity with us. We're going to play on the planets. We're going to play among the stars. We're going to rejoice in him forever. But what a great joy is God loves me. He loves you with an everlasting love and shows his grace to us, not only at salvation, but in every day and every facet of our lives. Well, let's see how Paul responded to this. Notice what it says in verse 9 at the end of it. He says, Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice he doesn't pout because God didn't answer his prayer. He doesn't sulk. He doesn't complain. He doesn't say, Lord, let's negotiate a little bit. Could we maybe shorten this, this duration of this uh, thorn a little bit or, or the pain of it a little bit or the difficulty of it? No, he accepted it. In fact, he accepted it joyfully. He joyfully accepted his thorn. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
He said, God, if you're not going to answer my prayer, you're going to give me grace. Thank you, because that grace is going to be better than any other answer to prayer I've ever had. And that's how Paul viewed it, and that's how he experienced it. He experienced God's strength in his own weakness. What a blessing it was. What a blessing. He says, that's joy. That's true joy. And because he was a spiritual Christian, Paul could say this. He rightly estimated that a thornless life was a powerless life. Isn't that amazing? A thornless life is a powerless life. Or a trial-free life is a powerless life. God knows what we need. He knows we need to go through these things. He knows that we need to overcome our weaknesses through his strength and not our own strength. So many times we say, you've got to work on your weaknesses. You've got to accentuate your strengths, work on your weaknesses. And sometimes as hard as we work on them, it's like beating our heads against a wall. We're just not getting any better. But when we surrender to the Lord, he can take our weaknesses and turn them into something beautiful. You know, sports is a wonderful thing where athletes take a lot of pride in overcoming their weaknesses and their injuries and different things like that. And for example, the winning pitcher on a baseball team often would rather talk about the hit that he got in the game, especially a home run, than he would about the many innings of shutout baseball that he just pitched and the win that he just got in the game. You get a pitcher talking about his hitting, he would rather do that, right, Dave? He'd rather do that than talk about his pitching any time. The same is true about the quarterback. You know, the quarterback, and you may see this in the Super Bowl today from either the Steelers or the Packers. The quarterback would rather talk to you about how he chased and caught from behind that man who just intercepted his pass and kept that guy from scoring the touchdown. He would rather talk about that tackle he made on that guy and to stop the touchdown than about the four touchdown passes and no interceptions and the victory that he won in the game. Quarterbacks are like that. They want to talk. They want to be able to say, I tackled that guy and I stopped him. Or the place kicker. You know, place kickers are very strange uh, creatures on the football team because all the football team, they stay together, but the kickers, they always sit by themselves. They talk among themselves. They practice kicking into a net. You know, they're a little crazy. So the kicker, though, is like that, too. He would rather talk about the open field tackle he made on the kickoff when the man was running it back for a touchdown, and he tackled him and tripped him and kept him from scoring. Again, the kicker. That's their weakness. That's their thing that they're not normally good at. They would rather talk about that than about their PATs and about their field goals and about how they kicked even the winning field goal. They'd still rather talk about that guy they caught from behind and kept from scoring a touchdown. You know, we all like to think of ourselves as strong, but we know we have weaknesses. And that's why we know when we have weaknesses and God comes through for us, that it's not us. It's him. It's him. Because we know that left to ourselves, we wouldn't have been able to do it. We couldn't have done it. We've all trusted him for so many things like that. So many people might say, Paul, you've lost your mind. And he would say, yes, I have. Now I have the mind of Christ. And that's what he did. He had the mind of Christ. J. Oswald Chambers said, the world's philosophy is what can't be cured must be endured. That's what the world says. They believe in it. They do it every day. 
But Paul radiantly testifies what can't be cured must be enjoyed. I enjoy weakness, sufferings, privations, and difficulties. So wonderful did he prove God's grace to be that he even welcomed fresh occasions of drawing upon its fullness. I gladly, he said, I even enjoy my thorns. Now you've got to get to the point of total surrender with the Lord and grow to that point where you can say, not only do I accept my thorn, but I enjoy my thorn. That's hard. That's really hard. But that's when we surrender to the Lord and we say, Lord, because I enjoy that thorn, because you have shown me yourself through it, you have shown me my weakness through it, you have shown me how you can be victorious in me and through me, through that thorn. So don't take it away, Lord. Leave it there and do your work in my life. Bill McDonald even said, naturally speaking, it's quite impossible for us to take pleasure in the type of experiences that Paul listed here. But the key to understanding the verse is the phrase, for Christ's sake. You know, it's not for us, it's for him. This, this, this thorn, it's for our benefit, yes, but we, we love it and enjoy it and appreciate it in a supernatural way for Christ's sake, because we know that he's going to use it in a special way in our life today. I ask you the question today, what is your thorn today? What is that affliction that's been with you for a long time? Maybe it's, it's good, the doctor said you'll always have this condition. You'll always have it. Or what's your burden that you're carrying? What's your, what's your uh, trial? What's your cross that you're carrying? And the question then becomes, how are you responding to it? Are you doubting God and, and complaining and wishing it to go away and hoping it to go away? Or are you like Paul? rejoicing in him and saying, Lord, thank you for what you've used this in my life. I may not have chosen it for myself. I may not have planned this life for myself, but you know best, Lord. You know best. Take care of me through it. God's grace gives us strength. It gives us wisdom. It gives us endurance to make it through to the end. So to conclude then, let's remember God's grace is sufficient. And when we bring our request to the Lord and we pray about something, if God doesn't answer it the way we pray for it, he will give us the grace. Because if he says wait, he'll give you the grace to wait. If he says no, I have something better for you, he will have something better for you. God gives the grace. And we don't always understand it, but he knows what he's doing. And how we respond to it is the key to it. Because God will do great results in our life if we allow him to. He won't force himself. He won't push it on us. He won't feed us that, that spoon of cod liver oil. But he'll give us the medicine that we really need to have. May God help us to remember, his grace is sufficient for us. It's sufficient. It's enough. It meets the need. And he will do his great work in our lives. Shall we just close in a word of prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for your grace. We cannot imagine a life without your grace. We need it from the time we get up in the morning and take our first steps out of bed. We need it as we take our first steps out the door. We need it as we take our first steps into the office or into the classroom. We need it as we take our steps through the marketplace or gas stations or wherever we go in life. Lord, we need your grace with us walking. And we pray that this sufficient grace will help us, Lord, 
to overcome hardships and obstacles and trial and upon these thorns that we have in the flesh, Lord, thank you for them. Help us to rejoice in them, not because of how painful they are, but because of the deep work that you do in our souls. And so, Lord, be with us as we go home today. Help each one to enjoy the day, whether it's watching the Super Bowl or anything else. Help us to give thanks to you for the good things that you have given us, Lord. Your grace is goodness and greatness and glory. And so we pray that you'll bless us in a special way today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.